Maybe I should have saved that for um, this part, but I'm not going to repeat it again. <laughs> One take wonders on this show. Yeah. This is Bread and Barricades, a Lamer's podcast. This is Nemo Martin. I use they, them pronouns. I'm your host. And this week, I start to finish, finished another book about Voltaire. That's right, baby. <laughs> I'm back. I learned a lot more about Emily du Châtelet. Um, less about Frederick. I knew pretty much everything that was in the book this time. But I did know, learn quite a lot about Voltaire and a lot about Newton. Isaac Newton and I feel like just has you know um, my love of my love of Valvere fan fiction made me read Les Miserables which made me read fiction uh auto no not autobiographies biographies about uh Victor Hugo which made me read about Voltaire which made me read about Friedrich is now making me read about Isaac Newton <laughs> So that's where I'm at, where I'm like, okay, how far can we go? Who was Newton basing his work on? The man extended universe. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I'm like, I hate the great man idea of intelligence. And I'm like, just following one great man to another. (laughs) You embarrassing little simp. (laughs) It's true, unfortunately. Uh, This is Stevie. She, they pronouns. I don't have anything that thematically links to that or is impressive. <laughs> Mine was going to be, my hair looks amazing today. Hell yeah. It is huge. <laughs> it's voluminous. It's at a length where at certain lengths when my hair's really short. And then also I think this is now every time I discuss my hair or anyone sees my hair, it's the longest my hair's been since I was like, nine mm. certain links really like square up my jaw so my jaw is looking really powerful today as well yeah. i'm just like wow i'm not used to like feeling good on a monday <laughs> uh, i guess that's why i got the negative energy points for my usual public transport curse and had to just like stalk home but maybe it was all that wind in my hair <laughs> From how fast I walk that gave it this volume. <laughs> yeah, I am imagining it. Like, I haven't seen it, but who's that? Maybe she's a zombie or a vampire and she's got this, like, beehive and it's got, like, a, like a lightning strike through it. Wait, is, is it from Scooby-Doo? You might... Well, what that put to mind for me is that you're combining from the ghoul school, vampire girl and the Frankenstein's daughter. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, no, I have watched Ghoul School. It is like <laughs> that kid who wears, who's wearing clothes that look like yours, to be honest. They're in yeah. the, the green colour that you wear sometimes. It probably did look like that with the wind in it, actually, blowing it up. So <laughs> that's my thing for today. I don't know that either of us were thematically linked to what's going on this week. Um. We're we're diving straight... Well, actually, okay, you were talking about Voltaire Uh and Emily and Friedrich, and they were all having an affair. Mm Mm-hmm. And we dive right in with some juicy hot gas. Hell yeah. Hugo. (laughs) Yeah, those are linked. Oh, well, actually, the the biography that I read was, like, 100% hot goss. And, in fact... Like in one of his like additional references at the end, he was like, "You should read this book because it's a hundred percent catty gay bitchiness." And I was like, "Are you yeah. allowed to say that in a in a book, sir?" We need the people to be able to say that, so then we know what. Uh, well, maybe that will be my next book if you're you're off reading Isaac Newton for nerds. <laughs> 
I'll go read Katie Gay Nonsense in preparation for one of our other extended universe uh, plays we're going to put on. (laughs) Yes, excellent. Well, the goss that Hugo is bringing us in book three, The House in Rue Plumet, is that there's a house with a secret entrance. Mm. Towards the middle of the last century, a high court judge, we won't name Mm. names, in the Paris Parliament, who was keeping a mistress on the sly. In those days, aristocrats were open about their mistresses and the bourgeois were secretive about theirs. Mm. So I'm assuming that means that things are different now. Oh, that was one thing that came up in the Voltaire book. Hell yeah, it's coming into use. That, um, that yeah, aristocratic people were basically allowed to have affairs as long as there was like, not plausible deniability but as long as they went through the pageantry like um they couldn't like stay over that night like the person Mm -hmm. having the affair so emily she had a husband right and voltaire she was having an affair with voltaire but her husband fully knew that voltaire and her were shacking up like they even lived together for like 20 years in the same house voltaire and emily um while emily's husband was at war but they couldn't have the same bedroom and like they couldn't hold hands in public and they basically just had to go around being like oh yeah Voltaire who lives in my house and who like uh takes care of my children um uh, (laughs) yeah basically essentially yeah that and um every time Emily would have affairs with like other men and stuff it was basically open secret as long Mm -hmm. as nobody could like make an argument in a court that you were having an affair like oh i saw these two people doing xyz in this public place and like there's a written like as long as there were no receipts Mm -hmm. then it was basically fair game okay so you could be like i was just over for dinner (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. literally and when emily was having that um the child that killed her she was having an affair with a man son lambert i think saint lambert and he when they found out that she was pregnant she did have to go back to siri which is her house with her husband and they sent an uh, a letter to her husband and he had to come back to siri for a month and they had to like dress up eat dinner together like talk to all of the servants and be like ha 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 we're going to go have sex now ha 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 <laughs> and like you know and mm. send letters to all of their friends basically to have it in writing to be like my husband has been at siri for a month ha 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 it's great that he's been here and then a month later be like wow i'm pregnant what a surprise how virile yeah my <laughs> husband didn't pull out yay like that kind of thing so love it <laughs> Yeah, so that's what this high court judge was doing because he's got a little house built Mm. so that he could have this affair. And I guess, Mm. yeah, with that sort of as long as you don't stay over thing in mind, Mm. um, he's built it on this discreet street that's now called Rue Plumet. For Hugo anyway, that's what it's called. I think it's Rue Plumet, by the way. That sounds more French. Um, <laughs> Which I only know because it is a line that is brought up in the musical quite okay, a lot. Okay, great. <laughs> it's this little two-story villa with a acre of garden. And basically, when it was built by this high court judge, he'd bought like every property on in a row. Hmm. And with that in mind, that meant because all that land was his, he walled off along 
all of those properties, this little like secret <laughs> path, this little secret tunnel from the house he was keeping his mistress in to mm. this like discreet exit. And it's like this quite high wall. Basically, if you don't know it's there, like even if you lived in those houses, you wouldn't know. Mm. It's hidden with extraordinary cunning. And there's like a secret lock and yeah, so it and it ends 500 yards away, almost in another neighborhood. Mm. Rue de Babylon. And that's how he would get in and out. So I guess even more, um, oh God, what's the word? P- plausible deniability. They'd be like, mm. I wasn't even in the area. You mm. all saw me walking around this other neighborhood. Ha ha, how could I have ever got to my mistress? <laughs> uh, I feel like that would be a really cool thing to have. But also, I feel like if you did find out that that existed in someone's house, it's just, like, there's no honest reason to have that. Yeah. <laughs> like, if someone comes across it, you're implicated immediately. Yeah, like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's just my secret route for leaving the house secretly. Oh, and there just so happens to be a room... That's kind of of the right size for keeping a child and a wet nurse out of sight if you, like, had need of one of those ring around. Uh, weird. But, but I don't know why that would be a necessary thing for anything. <laughs> yeah, like, the gardens also, like, grow up and over uh, this wall. So, like, it, it's, it's so well concealed that only the birds could see the curiosity that is this little path. Yeah. The warblers in the tits of the last century probably chatted a great deal about Monsieur the President. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure that were, those were birds. <laughs> <laughs> Hugo being so witty. <laughs> I guess you're the warbler and I'm the tit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's accurate. I think this is about the house, that it's built in the mansart style, wainscoted and finished in the Watteau style, Rococo whimsy on the inside, old-fashioned restraint on the outside, secluded behind triple ranks of flowers. Something discreet, attractive and solemn about the house, as benefits a uh, caprice of love and the law. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In Hugo's time, he's like, sadly, the house and the passage have now disappeared. Mm. 15 years ago from, I don't know, from assuming the date of publication? Mm. He doesn't make that clear, but I'm assuming. Yeah, it doesn't even seem like it seems like there's a block of flats, like like the, the road. <laughs> of course, I am on Google Maps. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing to do. Rupert ends at number 24. And then there's like... Uh, a crossroads and then right over the street is like huge block of flats like we should go on our we have a lot of things on our itinerary for when we go back <laughs> to paris yeah and make one of those plaques like I've, other countries do that but like i feel like i see them a lot a lot in london you know when it's like this Jean-Bashan lived here <laughs> yeah but it'd be like the fuck alley <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh we'll go find where that should go fally oh yeah <laughs> That, I mean, yeah, <laughs> phallic. Nice. Good job. So that's not there anymore, but 
you know who it was still around for? Who was it around for? <laughs> it was Jean Valjean. Oh my god, what a surprise. <laughs> oh my god, there's a line coming up that just sent me. Um, but I won't get ahead of myself with the speaking of Jean Valjean. Um, but so this house, after the high court judge was living there, a lot of the furniture remained. Hmm. In the month of October... 1829, an elderly man turned up and rented the house just as it was, including the building and the passage. I'm sure it won't come in handy. I literally had the thought as you were like describing the passage earlier, the like fuck palace passage, well, (laughs) the fuck passage, that um, my brain was so in the like, oh, like that's what um, someone like Voltaire would use or something. I forgot that we were reading Les Mis and I was like, oh, it'd be really funny if like Jean Valjean owned this house. (laughs) forgetting fully that I knew that that was what was about to happen you were just enjoying me telling you about some architecture yeah and then I was like I nearly said it like but as it was on the top of the tip of my tongue I was like no that's that's literally coming (laughs) you're in like your fantasy is a reality Nemo (laughs) oh I went back in time whispered it sweet nothings into Voltaire Voltaire's it who whispered it into Victor's (laughs) it Hugo wouldn't listen to us, he would only listen to Voltaire. But I feel like Voltaire would listen to us. Yeah, strangely, I think Voltaire would, but then he would say something like, Jean Valjean shouldn't live in that fuck house. And then Victor Hugo would say, well, I think he should. Exactly. So we've we've lined them all up and knocked them all down. (laughs) We have to go to Newton first. Uh And then Newton goes to Emily. Emily goes to Voltaire. Voltaire goes to Hugo. Hugo goes to... Himself. Himself. (laughs) Le Miserable. (laughs) Yeah. My favourite part of this is that we snub... Uh, Friedrich. <laughs> I think that is the best thing we could do. Yeah. I did have a moment, and I, I'm not sure whether we'll keep this into the podcast, but I did have a moment of, like, he did invent the, um, you know, the, like, Nazi walk, the ah. stupid one, the thing, because, and, and one of the things that he did say is, um, like, officers should fear their superiors more than the enemy and by all accounts he was not a great human being oh <laughs> like, no we can woobify him like but i i feel like i i did have the 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 realization as i was reading this book where i was like oh no we've been had bindering this man <laughs> there was a genocide that mm. happened <laughs> yeah so yeah Anyway, back to Jean Valjean. <laughs> um, Jean Valjean in this house that he's bought. Uh, what what, would, what is it? What the listings have prefurnished? Mm, yeah. On soupla. <laughs> yeah. Well, where else is he going? Will he have found it? How <laughs> did he find this place? Yeah. <laughs> A question I don't think goes answered. Are there estate agents in nineteenth-century France? Hmm. Someone's finding houses for people. That's a question for someone on Tumblr, I'm sure. Yeah. We, as always, we want your well actuallys. You can put that in the um, email description. (laughs) Well, actually, (laughs) Zoopla (laughs) did exist in the 19th century. Le (laughs) Zoopla. So, assuming that he's gone through them and he's found this place pre-furnished, uh, before he moved in, he was like, actually, can you just like sort out some of the repairs? Because I'm not going to have you tell me that 
it's coming out of my deposit that I haven't fixed <laughs> these things. Yeah. Um, and an important part of that is that he had the doors to the, the at the end of the secret passage, there's like a gate system and he's had them all fixed up. <laughs> to make sure it's like good to go yeah definitely because of the deposit and not for any other reason mm. like a using the doors in secret he just likes to see old buildings restored yeah yeah it's like, just a bit of a hobby for a rich old man yeah like that other rich old man victor hugo yeah <laughs> so he moves in with a young girl and elderly maid servant this rather retiring tenant was Jean Valjean. <gasps> oh my god, Reveal. no way. The young girl was Cosette. Oh shit, really? And then he's like, and the servant woman was Toussaint. Here's some backstory. That, well, not even much. He's like, that Jean Valjean had saved from a poorhouse and from destitution, from the countryside, and she's got a stammer. These are qualities that made Jean Valjean decide to take her on. And you're like, I feel like I'm almost missing more. I guess maybe he's sparing us, but whenever he decides to say less, I'm always like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no, tell me, though. Tell yeah. me. I did uh, write uh, a bit about this, which I had to take out of my PhD because... <sighs> it's a hundred uh, years long. <laughs> yeah. Um, about how disability is treated, especially in like these servant characters, because, um, yeah, Toussaint's um, stutter is treated as a positive thing. And for Chalavant, uh, in his passages, uh, if you remember, he was described, he pretends to be more stupid in the, like, slur sense of it. Um, he pretended to be, like, a dumb old man who could barely hear, so that the nuns kind of talked about him in his vicinity, and so he could get more information, mm. which, again, was seen as a positive, because it helped Jean Valjean. And I made a slight argument that... Here, this disability was a positive thing in that it allows Jean Valjean both times to keep his secrecy and to keep his safety. But, I mean, those are obviously the ablest mm. overtones of it. Oh, and um, the bishop as well. Yeah, he... it was blind? Yeah, it was something like um, blindness in an old man is so beautiful because of the women who take care of him or yeah. something like that you know uh -huh. but but it is interesting that this disability is treated as a positive even if there are the ableist overtones mm. nothing more than that oh, just just that's nice to, yeah it's just just that it's it is interesting mm. um and it's always in the older people as well so it's always age-related disability there aren't oh. any well there's injury-related disability in that both um, Marius and his father Georges Pomacy both have like injuries from obviously Georges mm. gets it from the war and Marius gets it from um, the barricades and they're treated as like emasculating things I mean Georges can't recover from and so dies from I mean also from a broken heart but you know he, he comes back from war not able to protect his son um, and that's not like overtly linked to his being injured or like nearly killed at um waterloo but i feel like it still adds to that right like he came back injured he wasn't able to like protect his son as mm. a quote-unquote real man should do 
And Marius, when he comes back, he's also really injured and Cosette has to take care of him for a really long time. And he he thinks that he's protecting Cosette from Jean Valjean, as we'll see later. I mean, later, as if that won't take like three years for us <laughs> to get to. But he, he thinks that he's protecting Cosette, but he's actually like kind of inadvertently kills Jean Valjean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so I think it's really interesting that like for those two, the disability while gained in a righteous place is how we usually see disability depicted in the media as being a disability as being something that is like an injury is something negative is something emasculating is something that makes you lesser Mm. whereas however slight there is um what's called I can't remember the like term that is used for it, but like disability privilege. So um, I have some deaf friends who talk about like the ability to turn off sound or, or, or even to not hear sound is something they call a privilege, especially for those who maybe do use hearing aids and suddenly hear the chaos that is the world or like screaming or crying and like babies and stuff they're like i can just turn down the volume which is a privilege that you don't have and it's it's an attempt to kind of change the way that we see disability Mm. as being something like disabled by society not as a inherently negative thing yeah and i feel like toussaint's and fauchelevent's stutter and hearing loss are things that are treated as privileges crudely not perfectly but still privileges. And I just thought that that was pretty... I mean, we don't see that in 2022 media. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, definitely worth noting. We uh, I can't remember if I read it out, but he, Hugo also draws attention. So near that field, uh, I was like, what could it be called? It's Cosette's field. That's where Marius is. Alouette's yeah. field. Alouette. <laughs> um, as part of the like, if you look over there, there's Saulpetriere. Mm. If you look over there, there's this that um, he points out a school for the deaf and possibly also blind mm. as part of the like, here's the things of note. So on Hugo's mind in small ways, fashion Yeah, one. yeah, that's interesting that it comes quite close to this mm. as well. And that they've all, it's well, off the top of our heads, I guess, with the three that you mentioned, it's all people who positively influence or affect Jean Valjean's life. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I feel like maybe the 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 school, it, uh, like the deaf blind thing, might be more a reference to how Marius is in his days. <laughs> very, very possible. In a kind of like. Uh, if he was well i don't know i'm actually kind of surprised that hugo wasn't like the children in that school could possibly perceive the world better than (laughs) marius could at this very point in time i don't think he did that (laughs) but (laughs) But it sounds really like him right (laughs) now i'm skimming (laughs) like what could you see oh no okay not black so on the horizon, the Pantheon, the Tree of the Deaf Mute School, the Val de Grasse, and the Square Tor- Okay, so no, that those that's like a list of things. So it's just the Tree of the Deaf Mute School. Hmm. 
he doesn't say anything about it, so <laughs> sometimes I guess when Hugo says nothing, that's for the best. Yeah, yeah. But it's there. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll learn more about her. Because also, she's not one of our unnamed uh, housekeepers. Yeah, that's true. She does have a name. She doesn't have a lot more personality, okay. to be honest. We will extrapolate if I know us. <laughs> yes, yes. So She and um, the bishop's sister, Ken... Oh no, the bishop's sister is probably not in a... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's probably been quite a few years. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so here's where it... So Jean Valjean has rented this house under the name Monsieur Fauchelevent, a gentleman mm. of independent means. Mm. In the episode related earlier, the mm. reader's probably even less slow than Thenardier to recognise Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> so answering what i always wonder the question of like does hugo think that the <laughs> we the reader doesn't know like is he wanting like is he just pretending like we don't know or does he want us to know and i feel like this is saying that he's like well probably by now you've got it maybe <laughs> probably less slow than <laughs> and if you're not, I hope you feel really fucking bad about it. <laughs> Thank you, Hugo. So, why had Royal John left Pity Pippus, <laughs> the convent? Mm. What happened? Nothing had happened. Mm. Remember, Jean Valjean was happy in the convent. Mm. So happy that actually it's become a problem. Mm. Oh, Jean Valjean is his worst enemy. <laughs> He really is. It's just that one I think I've seen on top where it's the like, there's the guy ruining my life and you're just pointing in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, went to a conference this week and there was a really interesting talk about, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but this person who possibly was a trans person who was assigned female at birth but went to live in a male priesthood and like assumed male dress and 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 became a priest instead of a nun and it made me think that Jean Valjean just before going into the convent took the name Madeleine and then went into an all female convent where he was really happy now i'm not saying <laughs> trans woman <laughs> Jean Valjean but like he belonged there he had the name of i mean Madeleine was taken I'm assuming from Mary Madeline, Mary Magdalene, and yeah, it was just like dropped there by God. I don't know. Mm. I, I just it just came to me that I was like, it's really nice that he was able to find his safety in this all female space, mm. Mm, as someone previously called Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another thought about Tenardier, um, because he was just mentioned and his stupidity. Um, another thing that I realized the other day was that he Hugo um, said that he was possibly Flemish, and I didn't realize that the Flemish were Protestant um, people, and that's why a lot of them had been killed. Question mark. And so Tenardier also not being Catholic mm. is a thing that I hadn't considered because religion isn't isn't something that I think about a lot. Two unrelated thoughts. But... <laughs> While I still had them in yeah. my brain, was like, oh, religion and 
the these guys. Okay, carry on. He was very happy there. He was his own worst enemy. Yep. <laughs> we get more of the Jean Valjean and gender coming up. Yeah. Oh, you could have had it all, Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> but because Jean Valjean can't let Jean Valjean have a good time, yeah. he's like, I'm so happy here. I can cherish the child. We're just like safely in these nice little walls. Nothing can take her away from me in here. It could just be like this forever. Surely she'll become a nun, which, you know, she's being encouraged to do every day from living here uh, mm. in the convent. <laughs> I'll grow old. She'll grow old here. I'll die here. What a blissful expectation. No separation possible. And then he's like, hmm, that does sound pretty good. <laughs> and then I like... His own worst any enemy, but then also you're like, oh my god, Jean Valjean MVP. That he's like, that would make me very happy. And I don't know if I deserve all this happiness, which isn't an MVP thought. Like, no, you're allowed happiness, Jean Valjean. Mm. But that then he's like, this child's happiness, like, should I, in my old age, like, confiscate and appropriate it? Mm. Like, isn't that robbery? This child has a right to experience life before announcing it. Um, and if I like make this choice without consulting her under the pretext of sparing her from life's tribulations to and, like basically take advantage of her ignorance and her isolation to foster this as if it's her own desire to stay here forever. Um, mm. Wouldn't that be perverting the nature of a human being and a lie to God? It was like... Yeah, he don't live through your children. <laughs> yeah. He I'm so glad that he is good. <laughs> yeah. Cause then he's like, oh, cause then you know, if I did do that, and then one day she realized that, that could make her hate me. And mm. that would be the worst thing in the whole world. So then he's like, Oh, I'm so selfish for only doing this because I'm worried about her hating me. And I'm like, no, Jean Valjean, like, that's a good enough reason. Like, I don't see that as a selfish reason, worrying about her hating you and that you don't want to be hated. Like, yeah. if that's what it takes for you to logic yourself out of being a piece of shit, like, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is doing great, sweetie. Like I am sad for him whenever he's like I'm so happy hmm that's sus <laughs> but we are also glad that he's like well let me think about this one I mean just like some sort of in between between the two yeah. would be great <laughs> yeah which is kind of is actually what he does is what's coming up for a little mm. bit for, for a, sh a short amount of time I'm assuming nothing is uh, stays nice forever here um <laughs> So it's been five years since they entered Peepus, uh, being chased by Javert, and he's like, right, I can just like re-enter the world of men without qualms, because, uh -huh. you know, it's been time. He's going to even recognize me. I don't know how I ever decide if I'm going to be recounting the tales, if I'm telling their story, or as if I am <laughs> the character, but we're Jean Valjean today. Um and we're re-entering the world of men. No one's recognizing me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's no danger to Gazette, just to me. So I've already been condemned to the prison hulks. What is it even like? It's fine. Let's just do it. And what is danger when duty is involved? I feel like that. That what is danger when duty is involved is that thing where like 
You know, both of us are really scared to do a lot of things, but it's so much easier to do it when you know that someone else is being a sad little Mew Mew about it. We were like, oh, I don't want to do this phone call. And then the other person is like, I'll do it. <laughs> Literally, I knew that's what you were going to say. I'm like, well, now I'm daddy and I'll sort out all your problems. It's fine. I can totally walk into this restaurant and ask for a table. <laughs> I could re-enter the world of men on behalf of my daughter Gazette. <laughs> and his mind was made up. He just had to, like, wait for the opportunity, which soon presented itself. Hmm. Fashion event died! <laughs> <laughs> Finally! <laughs> you totally didn't have any spoilers about this at all. As the oracle said months ago, <laughs> Bestie's fucking gone. And that's all you get on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit more. So I would never write a sad fic, but like <laughs> I pictured the one that I would write if I were to. Because um, yeah. so Vant passes away and Valjean has an inter- asked for an interview with the prioress and he's like, look. I've come into some money, a small inheritance because of the death of my brother, and mm. I just can't bear to work here anymore without him. <laughs> my brother, who brother. I cared for deeply. And lived together with. And we had no familial relation looking between us. <laughs> oh, and that he's like, oh... Because that means Cosette's not going to take her vows here, but, you know, she has received education for this long. I humbly beg that you let me give to the community, and he pays for five years of Cosette's education, Mm. which is the sum of 5,000 francs. So they leave. Mm. Uh, And he carries the, like, only thing he personally carries under his arm that he would entrust to no one else is that little travelling case that he always had the key about him. Mm. Um, a case that intrigued Cosette because it smelled of preservative bombs mm. and she doesn't know what's in it. It's all her tiny little baby clothes. Yeah, <sighs> it is. <sighs> See my fanfic for the story of that. <laughs> mm. I was trying to remember what fic it was in, but it was um, Autumn Gracie's um, A Reflection of Starlight, I believe, that has like a moment where Jean Valjean is like crying over this little um, suitcase with Cosette's clothing in it. Oh, the aromatic case. Yeah. He always keeps it in his bedroom and it's what he takes with him every time they've moved house. And... Cosette would laugh about it and be like, oh, you're inseparable. I'm jealous of that little case. And you're like, Cosette, your soul's in that case. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm completely pretending that a further part of... Like, he was already like, I'm going to be a good dad and I won't steal her happiness. We will move out of this convent. Mm. But that also it was... Fauchelevant passing away, but he was like, okay, I can't bear to be here a moment longer. Yeah. The memories. Memories. Oh, Fauchelevant. I don't know what would be a good enough send-off for him. We um, 
burn down a convent in <laughs> France. Uh... Yeah, that's a lot more extreme than whatever I was thinking about. Because <laughs> I'd written into my fic that he's the one that taught Jean Valjean the preserve. Oh, lavender. yeah. And I have a lot of dried lavender in my room. So I was like, we could do something cute. <laughs> Meanwhile, he was like, we just set a fire. We okay. Let we can meet in the middle with this on like Jean Valjean, and we can make a bonfire, and then like make a little stuffed like lavender. Um, you know those little like pouches that you can make, and they heat them up, and they like smell mm. like lavender, and you put them on your shoulders. We make one of those, and then we throw it into the fire. Oh, because also he had his um, he had a limp because he had a sore leg. Yeah, so, so it's like one of those heating patches. Yeah. yeah. So we'll pretend like I'll go back to my fic and expand the lore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. Jean Valjean had made him a little heating knee pad. Yeah, and it's like crudely sewn, but yeah. uh, no, actually, it's not. Fauchelevon thinks could. it'll be crudely sewn, but because of his time in prison, he did have to like mend his own clothing mm. pretty well, and he fixed all of his like all of those like nieces and nephews' clothing because his sister didn't have time to do it in this fic and yeah so it's like actually really nicely sewn and there's and beautifully embroidered because because has been learning embroidery at the 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 no the, the, the convent so she also works in it and she she embroiders a, a crude little lavender on the corner and, and all of their names or just the like e f f i don't know m what would no he's an all team at this point you mm. Yeah. Oh, so that's part two of the fic, and then part three is the major character death. They're sad <laughs> about it and having to deal with him passing away. Yeah, but rather than keep it with him, he's like, I can't even look at it. It will yeah. make me too sad, and so he yeets it into the bonfire. Yeah, because I was like, could I push the lore enough on Jean Valjean that he would? add that to his cosette case but i don't like it doesn't matter how much he would love someone else i don't think that he could no definitely not so i wouldn't ooc him that uh, <laughs> enough to do that not like andrew davies no some of us care about the source material <laughs> and then in our like related fic in the mm. future where i'll allow javert and jean valjean to get together but I'm I'm gonna need at least a bit of some like Javert, you stepdad. <laughs> you better try and live up to my OG stepdad, Posh Levant. Oh my god, what if okay <laughs> Javert at one point, like maybe it's unintentional, he goes on the case or something and, and one of the like girls on the case sprays him with like a lavender essence and then he like shows up at Jean Valjean's house like not really like planning to smell like lavender but just does and Jean Valjean just like gets really upset <laughs> oh I don't write like writing sad fic but I feel like <laughs> same but we've got so much raw material <laughs> hmm. it can start sad and then like it can be made into like a bit more comedic with the like okay Javert I've allowed you to be with my dad mm. just so you know I had the best <laughs> stepdad ever here's how great he was for sure uh, gave me an xbox so <laughs> so like and what have you even done <laughs> uh, we'll think on it yeah all this to say all this to say <laughs> that is to say 
actually, be that as it may, mm. Jean Valjean did not go back out into the world without deep anxiety. Um, <laughs> well, mood. He found the house in Rue Pomay. Mm. He found it. Found it. <laughs> on Zoopla. Yeah. And secluded himself there. And that he now calls himself Ultime Fauchelevant in memory of his first love. Mm-hmm. He took his lover's name. So. Yeah. And then at the same time, because I guess the the property market just wasn't what it is today. He just <laughs> rents another two apartments in Paris because he's like, well, that will attract less attention if yeah. I have these two other places. So he's got three properties that he can just like go visit. And Cosette will sometimes visit as well so that they can pretend like, oh, we're going to the countryside. Bye. But they're mm. actually just elsewhere in Paris so that they so no one can like track them. Mm. Because he never wants to feel as defenseless as the night where he miraculously eluded Javert. <laughs> yeah, so they just have their little various hideaways in Paris. Chapter two. So this house. Well, so what he's rented, basically, there's like the little villa and then this, this little like attached kind of smaller shed type mm. business. Porter's Lodge. Mm. So Cosette and... Use her name. You just you gave someone a name for once, Hugo. Toussaint. Toussaint. So Cosette and Toussaint live in the villa with like a large bedroom. It's like beautifully painted. There's tapestries on the walls. There's a garden. And then Jean Valjean had installed in Cosette's bedroom. Well, besides like furniture, like a canopied bed and a Persian carpet. Uh, <laughs> to offset the austerity of these magnificent antiques he'd included the miscellany charming little furnishings that delight young girls and i was like oh. come on then and then i was delighted by yeah. all of them. Uh, an ornament stand a bookcase gilt-edged books a writing case blotter work table inlaid with mother of pearl uh mm. dressing table japanese porcelain water jug because oh. you gotta sprinkle some of that in. Yeah. Um, and a bowl. But I was like, oh, okay, Hugo. I thought it was gonna be like dolls and ribbons. Yeah. But I guess that you were a good dad, Hugo. <laughs> my my thought did go to like, oh, little toys of frogs. And I was like, no, probably <laughs> not that. <laughs> I mean, that would delight me. But yeah. Like, he wants to encourage her writing and her reading and, and stuff. It's nice. Mm. In contrast to the little porter's lodge that he's living in, <laughs> like the end, it's a mattress on a trestle bed, but like it's a mattress on the floor, is mm. the emotional vibe he's giving. Yeah, yeah. As if I don't have a mattress on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Two straw bottomed chairs, earthenware water jug, a few old books. He never has a fire, whereas he makes sure like every room in Cosette's house is like always warm. Mm. Um, and to Toussaint he's like the young lady is the mistress of the house and she's like oh and you and he's like no better by far than being master I'm the father <gasps> so Cosette while she was at the convent had been schooled in like housekeeping and stuff so she's in charge of the household expenses mm, a woman in STEM uh, <laughs> and they go for a walk every day arm in arm to the Luxembourg Gardens, where they just keep passing this stupid boy. No, they don't mention that <laughs> stupid boy. Um, <laughs> and they go to Mass, which is how... Uh, mass at a church, like, quite far away. 
mm. from where they live. You know, and he's so charitable everywhere. That's how Tenardier came to send him the letter that was like, please, charitable man, give me some money. Mm. Jean Valjean likes to take Cosette to visit the poor and the sick. What is he talking about here? Oh, he's talking about the like sort of like kind of kitchen situation. Oh, so like nobody else ever enters this place. Like mm. uh, between Valjean and Toussaint, they like collect the food and the water. Mm. Um, food and wine is stored in the semi underground rough cast recess. <laughs> and he mm. says that um, it had formerly served as Monsieur le President, the guy who built this place for affairs as a grotto for in the days of pleasure retreats in little houses no love affair was complete without a grotto yeah like santa's little grotto yeah bringing back my favorite quote from the 2012 film directly into my brain Ooh, santa (laughs) oh no and so there's a little sort of post box situation that would have been perfect for sending little love notes but no one's receiving newspaper or letters here. Just <laughs> tax collectors, collectors' notices and guard duty orders. Hmm. Because Which will come up. Oh, right oh. now, <laughs> this second. Yeah. Because Monsieur Fauchelevent, gentleman of independent means, mm. was in the National Guard. Yeah, he was. He's a soldier boy. <laughs> Even he had been able to slip through the fine mesh of the 1831 census. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So he um, emerged as a venerable man and he was consequently fit for a guard duty. Which, so he's done like three or four times a year. He's got to don his uniform and did his service. Very willingly, in fact. Like He quite loves getting to do this job yeah um because he gets to be in a disguise and he loves to cosplay <laughs> he's just laughing he really is he's really he really loves to laugh as just like a guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is my um straight sona yeah i'm monsieur Ultim and i'm a soldier <laughs> or i'm part of the national guard which is slightly different but I'm just your average respectable citizen. <laughs> I'm a citizen man aged 50. <laughs> <laughs> because he's actually just turned 60, mm. at which age he could be exempt, but of course he looked no more than 50. <laughs> so he's like, no, yeah, I'm only 50. I'll keep doing this job. Um He's already concealing everything else about himself. Like, why not age as well? (laughs) A very willing National Guardsman. To be like anyone else who paid his taxes. That was his sole ambition. Oh, God. (laughs) Devastating. The ideal to which this man aspired was, inwardly, an angel. Outwardly, a respectful citizen. Yeah, sure was. (laughs) Yet let us mark one detail. Begs Victor Hugo. Um, <laughs> when Valjean goes out with Cazette, as we've seen, he looks very much like a retired officer in the little outfit he wears. But when he goes out alone, which is usually at night, he's in a workman's jacket and trousers with a cap to mm. hide his face. Was this caution or humility? Both. <laughs> <laughs> 
And because that she's so used to him that she doesn't even like think twice about this. She's like, yeah, I'm sure that's normal. <laughs> he already goes out LARPing as a National Guard and then yep. at night he like LARPs a trade unionist. Like, who knows? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> if I was Kazette, I feel like I would be like, oh, he's just got like loads of boyfriends dotted around town and he has to like slip out during, during going through the back room. Mm. Father, I understand why you needed this house with the secret passage, but <laughs> I won't embarrass you by bringing it up. Yeah. And then even Toussaint, she reveres Valjean so much and everything that he does that like one day at the butcher's, her butcher, so she is at the butcher's and the butcher's like, that's a, he's strange. <laughs> Valjean is a strange one. <laughs> and she's like, he's a saint. <laughs> How dare you? How very dare you? I will never come here again. <laughs> so the three of them never came in or out except by that secret passage gate. So they're they're all getting to use it. Mm. The dear, the the dear, the door on Rue de Babylon. <laughs> and unless you managed to glimpse them through the garden gate, you wouldn't even really tell that people have moved back into Rue Plumet. Mm. Um, because that gate is always closed. And Jean Valjean had let the garden run wild in order not to attract attention. In mm. this, he was possibly mistaken. <laughs> so he, Valjean, is like, I've let the garden get so unruly that no one's going to pay any attention to it or to us. Mm. But actually, Hugo showing us a bit of uh, capital R romanticism in this chapter. Mm. The garden has become so attractive and remarkable because it's been let <laughs> to grow wild. He's like, those Tumblr posts that are like, lawns shouldn't look like this. He literally is. Like, <laughs> Hugo's got quite a soapbox, which like I do agree with. There's some yeah. like, nice stuff in here. But the, the long and short of it is that it's so overgrown and like the trees have started like bowing down. Mm. And their leaves are growing to the ground. Mm. And all of the brambles on the ground are reaching up to the trees. Mm. And they're kind of like growing up and off each other. And there's a nice metaphor somewhere in this pages about that. <laughs> mm. um, the trees had stooped towards the brambles. The brambles had climbed towards the trees. The plant had reached up. The branch had bowed down. What creeps oh. over the earth had mm. sought what flourishes in the air, what flutters in the wind, had dipped towards the trails in the moss. It's like Valjean and Cazette. Because <laughs> oh. she's growing up towards the light and he's bowing down towards her. Oh. Oh. I hadn't even like thought past the, like, is there some nice plant imagery going on in this chapter? Like, I hadn't thought of that until you you were saying it out loud and I was like, oh. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, the weeds are running riot, but it's been for so long that they've just become, like, huge and a wonderful treat for any poor corner of land. Um, mm. The gilly flowers are glorious. Nothing in this garden obstructed the sacred struggle for life of all things. Oh, gillyflower are beautiful. I haven't. Oh. I don't think I could have like told you what they look like before, but oh, they are. Yeah, everything's just growing 
wild mm. in such a way that like even though we're in a densely populated city right now mm. it feels like it could be like the middle of a forest it's mm. so secluded it's so aromatic it's uh vegetation in deep and close embrace had celebrated and fulfilled the holy mystery of its own fraternity like it would please the eye of the creator like he's basically like it's so stunning in here and so wonderful that everything is just growing as it should that this is what would please god Mm. basically and then (laughs) in the middle so it's like all this stuff that i'm like oh this is so nice there's this middle one where it's like i think that me and just like i don't know whether to be like hugo what the fuck (laughs) or if it's like because you we've been online and fanfics being what they are certain things are kind of cursed (laughs) that during Floreal, this huge wilderness went into rut. Oh no! Part of the secret process of universal germination. It quivered in the rising sun, almost like an animal breathing in rushes of cosmic love. (laughs) You go! Feeling the April sap rising and bubbling in its veins. Why? I was like, is this me clutching my pals? Or is no. it that you got, like I should be clutching my pals? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's very uh, a very fertile garden. Oh. I mean, I guess it is supposed it to be is. used as like a lover's grotto and yeah, but... <laughs> We didn't need to see that. (laughs) In front of my salad. And then he's like, wait, stop being horny, Hugo. Get back in it. There's butterflies. There's lots of butterflies. And they're taking refuge. And it's beautiful. And there's loads of birds. And anything the Twitterings had forgotten to say was made up for by the hummings. Sorry, I just remembered a letter that Voltaire sent. And I feel like every other time that, like, um, I've read any of the, like, biographies of Voltaire, it's kind of been like, oh, you know, he he and Emily had sex, he and Marie-Louise had sex, and all of these kind of things. And then it was, like, a quote from a letter, and um, the biographer was talking about how um, he'd, like, recently embarrassed himself in front of his niece turned lover Mary Louise and it was like just quoted from the letter and it was like uh, Mary Louise I'll, I'll come back to you soon even if my penis is flaccid and I can't get an erection and I was like oh god those are his words <laughs> no <laughs> I swear the first one you read was like kind of giving the Voltaire's asexual vibes. yeah it really was it was kind of like oh Emily was really like horny all the time but Voltaire kind of like chilled and like didn't really want that and this one was like he was literally writing letters to her like oh Emily uh, Marie Louise I haven't seen you in two days and I'm hard all the time oh <laughs> it's like oh Voltaire stop it please oh. squirts water on their faces <laughs> We're trying to enjoy a garden right now, Hugo, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, there is a calm and celestial sadness hanging over this garden. Yeah. <laughs> the sadness is me. <laughs> uh, the heavy, the heady, even, perfume oh. of honeysuckle, 
uh, is everywhere, like an exquisite and subtle poison. In the winter, it's very dark and wet and shaggy and shivering. (laughs) (laughs) And it's only then when you can get like a glimpse of the house. And there's the, instead of the blossoms on the tree branches, the silvery trails of slugs. In all seasons, this tiny enclosure exuded melancholy, contemplation, solitude, freedom, the absence of man, the presence of God, and the rusty gold gate seemed to say, this garden belongs to me. So it's like this wonderful wilderness that has been growing through a revolution and the collapse of fortunes, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of wildlife. And then Hugo, I just wish that but then i'm always like say less hugo but (laughs) you know when you're just like what did you read or what dinner party were you at yeah because he's having a lot of thoughts about nature Uh that he's basically like it starts with the you know oh it's just so what's so wonderful about all of this is like everything has a bearing on everything else like the trees are a home to the birds and you know, so that sort of like ecosystems mm. and what makes them thrive. But then he like is having a lot of really big and deep thoughts today. Mm. Um, algebra applies to the clouds. The star's radiance benefits the rose. No thinker would dare to say the scent of hawthorn is irrelevant to the constellations. Mm. Who then can calculate a molecule's density? So he's kind of, it's that thing of like, everything affects everything else Mm. the small is great and the great is small everything is bound by necessity in equilibrium that was um emily wrote oh she um like one of the last thoughts that she was having in her life was this idea that energy needed to go somewhere and it was like a big question like you know we kind of take it for granted now the like every force has its equal opposite reaction or whatever but for her there was this kind of thing of like okay we know that gravity exists but where does that energy go after it's expended itself and she was raising all these questions about like what becomes of things Mm. once they have taken their course and 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 she wrote her thinkings about that and also voltaire um wrote a story about everything like like the fallacy that um humans think that the universe was made for humans and mm. so wrote the story about like how this group of mice think that the world is created for them and then these sheep come along and they're like no obviously the world is created for us and then humans come along and they're like no obviously the world is created for us and then a group of angels come and they're like oh no obviously the world is created for us and then a group of aliens come and they're like no obviously the world is created for us and it's kind of yeah Mm. mocking this idea human arrogance but as this biographer says like for the first time it wasn't intended as a like see how stupid humans are we're so arrogant it was kind of meant to be like a loving thing like wow human nature is to like want to believe in something i guess Mm. i can't really remember how it was encapsulated but yeah both of those things i feel like are very incorporated here and in in what hugo was saying yeah it was like i can't even while i was reading it all i couldn't put my finger on like what philosophy or 
which religion it was and I was like oh this is like that because my brain is just made out of mush Mm. but yeah that everything is affecting everything everything is benefiting everything Mm. else as well like that is like a big part of this and like the beauty of this garden the way that he sees it and like I guess his thoughts on the greater universe in general is that like things that we would not ever think to see is connected that he's like no there everything is like vital to each other germination embraces in its complexity the explosion of a meteor and the breaking of the eggshell by the peck of a swallow's beak and is equally responsible for the birth of an earthworm and the coming of socrates Mm. that everything is causing everything else everything uh, everything (laughs) everywhere all All at at once Mm. nothing matters everything matters yeah Mm. so these are the things that he is thinking about a lot today Mm. Uh, there's a lot it's in some parts like really philosophical in a fairly dense way that I don't think I could do justice to here but like that is the like the theme of it all Mm. he's just like having a lot of thoughts a lot about like he also does like to pepper in that he's like I know about science yeah (laughs) Um, cosmic interchanges Universal life, indivisible, unknown quantities, uh, uh, make use of everything, uh, wasting not one dream, um, astral body, weaving uh, and wavering, pulsing in their veins, uh, penis, uh, uh, <laughs> geometric point, ego, uh, soul of the atom, <laughs> and bringing everything to fulfillment in God. So, like, everything is everything and everything's benefiting everything else. And also, God is there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to find a like a line that makes sense just on its own. Um, the the final one of the parag- the chapter is a mind made machine, a vast intermeshed apparatus whose prime motor is the gnat and whose ultimate wheel the zodiac. So, yeah, just more of hmm. that of the from something so tiny to something cosmic. Hmm. Everything is a part of the same machine. Yeah, and. That's how he feels about nature. Wow. It, I mean, um, I mean, very, um, oh, what's the word? Coincidentally, providentially, like I had read that book just yesterday in order to mm. like put together the thoughts, like the understanding of this chapter a bit, a little bit at least. Wow. God exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that was what Hugo read. The night, but like he knew he had to write about this garden, and then he read Emily's work and was like, "Fuck." Yeah, yeah. He like mm. when he goes like he does a good job sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, and then he's like, and 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 then the plants uh, fucked. <laughs> he at least that was like the middle. If he'd have ended on it. <laughs> like at least he would like it started to happen and then he kind of like he pulled it back he pulled it back he was yeah, like get uh, on track and one one take Hugo I'm not editing it out but like <laughs> I can I can bring it back we can get cosmic here <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah I guess like whenever he does like gardens he does get very um capital R romantic but like especially with mm like wilderness and nature sort of going free and like uh we've had from Jean Valjean the like no it's our version of the Naruto like roll the swing roll the swing <laughs> it's the, like oh, the, the, the quote no about weed. A weed yeah 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 <laughs> 
there's no such thing as a weed and oh my god i really want to put this the the swing but with the no such thing as a weed quote over the top of it and sell that as a shirt <laughs> the crossover of people who want that is you and me <laughs> yeah exactly exactly. And that's why it's worth yeah but yeah so the weeds are running free and it's wonderful and that's what god wants and Mm. they're not weeds as jean Valjean would say except for this time the weeds are kind of fucking him like not literally but like aren't they literally fucking him something's going on in this uh very (laughs) i can't even come up with a word that's not disgusting He's he's writing these words as the plant tentacles fuck him and <laughs> um, inject their toxin into his brain. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every plant has a use and it's not a weed and this one is not hiding his house. No. But actually, so Jean Valjean's like, Cosette, the garden's yours, do what you want with it. And she continues to let it sort of grow in this style. And because it attracts attention, I'm assuming that this garden is going to like be part of connecting her and Marius, which I guess is what she wants. So well, it's not about... Virileness can't have anything oh, to no. do with... <laughs> There's more of that in the next chapter. Mm. Well, actually, it's meant to be this garden's redemption arc in the next chapter. <laughs> so look forward to that. Yeah, stay tuned for thrilling garden action. <laughs> We've got to leave it there. Great. Well, this has been Brand Barricades, a lamest podcast, um, produced by me, Nima Martin, and Julian Yap. It was a co- Captain's Collection podcast. If you like this podcast, you can give us five stars somewhere. Just say that you really liked how virile the garden was if you have any comments questions or quibbles you can send them to our email lamestpodcast l-e-s-m-i-s podcast at gmail.com or to our twitter lamestpodcast or on our tumblr at bread and barricades especially about zoopla in the Mm. 19th century we really do want to know how to buy and sell a house our audio designer is Jade, who you can find on the website jadewasabi.com or on her bandcamp, jadewasabi.bandcamp.com. And if you really want to do us a favour so that we can buy a house with a sex passage in it, you can <laughs> send us money on Patreon or on Ko-fi, which are both in the show notes. And I believe that's everything. So please be thinking about Hugo being fucked by uh, plant tentacles. <laughs> And thanks for listening. And go listen to Nima Martin's (laughs) new Rusty Cool podcast. Find out if there's more of this. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, spoilers for episode 10 of Trice Forgotten. It's Hugo being fucked by the plant tentacles. God, Stevie, I told you to keep it under wraps. If it's not in season two, then what was the point? (laughs) 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 (